Welcome to another episode of the Fundamentals Podcast. I am your host, Harley. Joining me on this episode to discuss the show Gavin and Stacey, it's film journalist Jordan King. Jordan was kind enough to reach out to me when I put the call out for guests, and he brought with him a show which is in many ways considered a modern classic, and I thought would be a really interesting discussion. And that is, of course, Gavin and Stacey. Now, this is quite an interesting one because it's not a straightforward sitcom, this show, but it is a worthy inclusion in the sitcom summer series. And we get into why that is in this discussion, including, of course, discussions about our characters, favourite moments and what the show has meant to Jordan on a personal level. There's some really wonderful insights and even some revelations about the show, things I had no idea about that. I just found incredibly fascinating and I hope you guys enjoy this discussion. This is a great example of how a sitcom can really resonate with somebody on a very deep and meaningful level. So without further ado, let's get to the discussion. This is Gavin and Stacey with Jordan King. Hello, Jordan, and welcome to the Fundamentals podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. Pleasure is all mine, Jordan. So you are here as part of the sitcom summer series. And when you reached out to me, you picked one that I'm glad you brought it up because I think it's a really interesting show. And it's, uh, it's quite different from a lot of the ones we've already talked about. Uh, and that is Gavin and Stacey. So I'll take I'll hand it over to you. When did you first see this show and why did you choose to bring it to the podcast? So I first watched Gavin and Stacey. I think I'm pretty sure I watched it when it was first airing, sort of like it was what, late 2000s, like 2006, 7, 8, somewhere around then. Mm -hmm. um, but the thing that kind of hooked me straight away was I was born in, well, South England. I was born in Somerset. Mm -hmm. In 2005, I moved to Wales. Okay. Um, and, like, my first sort of two or three years living in Wales, I, I kind of um, was getting used to living in a different country and stuff, like all of the trying to figure out the sort of cultural slang and all that kind of thing. Um, and when Gavin and Stacey came out, the idea of, like, a programme that was about someone from Wales and someone from England and, like, their relationship with each other it kind of stood out to me as being like, a, ah, cool. Mm. This is something that I can, as a even, you know, 10-year-old kid, kind of relate to that idea. Yeah. But I always I always liked sort of British sitcom stuff anyway, like the royal family and stuff. I grew up watching those things with my parents and things like that. Mm -hmm. So when Gavin and Stacey came along, it kind of felt like something that I could take as being my show, mm. that I could watch it when it was on and I'd take that forward with me. 
Um, and I think that I just immediately fell in love with the characters, uh, fell in love with the setting, mm. the sort of very cosy atmosphere of it. That's so that's so lovely. And I mean, you've kind of touched upon a few things which have, have been recurring themes in this uh, series I've found is you know usually a personal link that some something that someone can relate to when they watch the show and then the comforting side of it so i mean thank you for sharing that that's really nice and i think uh, something you've led straight into which i think is really cool about this show because i'll say now i don't think i've seen every single episode if i'm being honest i know i've seen most of it but it's um i I, am gonna go back and rewatch it um and funny enough my sister's been sending me gavin and stacy memes before she knew (laughs) i was doing this so shout out to my sister kayla if you're listening um but anyway, yeah, it's the cultural differences that they pick upon, which are, I think are really funny and so well observed. Because I think to the outside world, you know, you can look at Great Britain and England and sort of think, oh, yeah, they're all the same. You know, a lot of a sort of cultural perceptions is that we're quite similar. But actually, yeah. in this tiny island, you can move from one part to another and it's a completely different way of life, different, like you said, language, different. Uh, way of doing things and i think this show does a really good job of putting two very different subcultures and kind of putting them together in a very fun way yeah definitely and i think as well that the kind of the very basic basic element of the the story is that it's kind of it's the city boy and the country girl yeah it's kind of like the and it's it's such an old well-worn like back to like Jane Austen or even like mm. Shakespearean times, like it's such a well-worn narrative, like a fish out of water narrative. Yeah. But I think that what this show does very well is that it, it kind of, it takes it all, it strips it all back to a very basic human level of being about two people, the way that they see the world and the the circles that they move in. I remember mm. because I, because when I, when I first got into Gavin and Stacey, Mm-hmm. I got very into it to the point where I got the script book for Christmas when it came out. There was a book of the scripts for series one, two, and three. Mm. And there was also a book called From Barry to Billericke. <laughs> and it was basically stuffed with... It was written as if it was written by the characters from the show. Okay. So it had, like, uh, Nessa's list of her romantic conquests. <laughs> and it had, like, Bryn's how-to guides for different pieces of technology that literally everyone knows how to use anyway. <laughs> That's um, great. <laughs> but in the in either either the script book or the sort of adapt adaptation book that they did for the series you found out that the seed for the idea of Gavin and Stacy was James Corden who was already friends with Ruth Jones and obviously uh-huh. James Corden's from London Ruth Jones from Wales right but the idea was imagine two families meeting for the first time at a wedding Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and what would that be like if they were from completely different places completely different backgrounds and so the whole point of gavin and stacy's show was get us to that wedding Mm. and so that's where the characters start to fall into place and you end up at the end of the first series you get to that wedding and we luckily got to go beyond that with the second and third series Mm. but the basic idea of just going okay what if we get people that wouldn't ordinarily have any reason to have anything to do with each other, found a reason for them to find each other, which yeah. I think came, you know, with my adult brain on, I think about the fact that sort of text, like dating and stuff and chat rooms were beginning to become a thing sort of mid two thousands. Mm. Like my mum met my stepdad on a dating app on like a text service thing in like 2004. Right. And like, 
the the long distance relationship angle of Gavin and Stacey, them having these call center calls back and forth from mm-hmm. London to Wales and back again, mm-hmm. like it's such a clever way of reframing that classic country girl city boy story mm. in a way that suited the time that it was made. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and I mean, like you said, now that the world's opened up and it's it's a whole bigger place, but. Uh, Funny enough, it's a story that I can kind of relate to because myself and my wife are in a similar boat. So I'm I'm from Bristol. My wife's from um, a little town in Northern Ireland. So it's <laughs> yeah, I'm from Somerset. So yeah, you go. This is it. Yeah. yeah so yeah, that, like you said, this is this is a kind of a story that I think a lot of us either know somebody in a similar situation or have been in it in ourselves. Um, and I love that. That's such a simple premise to begin with, and such like a human experience to then branch off into this series and. Something I'd, I'd only realised, because uh, as I said, I've seen most of it, but I didn't realise, I, I thought I'd not seen all of it, and I thought, oh, I've probably missed loads of episodes. Just before you jumped on, I, I jumped on IMDb to sort of have everything ready, and I was like, oh, there's only 22 episodes. <laughs> I didn't realise how yeah. short this is, but it's, I think that's really cool. It's another one of these shows you can just blitz through by the sounds of it. Yeah, it's 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 really short like the funny thing is is the the highest like rated review on imdb the first like user review that you see Mm -hmm. is an american person that found the show and really loved it and was there like nice there needs to be a hundred more episodes of this (laughs) why why aren't because obviously in america if you hit onto a winning formula for a show yeah i mean you look at like the uk office to the u.s office Mm -hmm. you get 12 episodes of the the uk office and the christmas specials in America, you get hundreds of episodes and mm-hmm. dozens of series. That's right. Um, with with Gavin and Stacey, it's very neatly packaged. It doesn't give you more than you need. It doesn't give you less than you want. Mm. You feel comfortably full. And I think that like mm. when you think about your favourite TV shows in a kind of foodie sense of being there, like, oh, they're like comfort food for, for the soul. Yeah. Like being comfortably full is the best kind of full that you can be with a meal. So True. getting 22 episodes of Gavin and Stacey, mm-hmm. where you go, I think I've got room for one more, which we kind of got with the Christmas special a couple of years ago. Yeah. But then you also go, oh, but I don't think I could manage another course of it. That's the like the, the real like sweet spot for me. So yeah. whenever I go on a binge watch of it again, I know that it's not a huge undertaking. I can probably watch it over the course of one week. Mm-hmm. I'll watch two or three episodes a night and, you know, bish, bash, wash. Yeah. But... At the same time, I'll get to the end of that and I'll go, oh, yeah, I feel, like I say, comfortably full of mm. the show. And it's, it's that's kind of the sweet spot, I think, that it hits. That's a really nice way of putting that, I think. Um, and it's true, we, we're now at a point in this uh, particular run of episodes that I'm doing where we're focusing more on British sitcoms. Uh, and you've name-dropped a future one. And that is absolutely true. Is Yeah, they, they are kind of short and sweet. They're to a point where you can get through them. They tell a narrative, they tell a story with certain characters, but they don't outstay their welcome. Um, and I think that means, personally, not to disparage the previous shows we've already talked about, because I love all of them, but, yeah, you're right. With some of the American shows, it does have the tendency to outstay its welcome. And like you say, to be over full. And you're like, oh, it's too much. It's too. M-. And you have low points. People talk about low points in the series. Whereas yeah. with shows like this, because as you say, it's 20-odd episodes. You, okay, but, you might have favourite episodes, but you'll never have a point where you're like, oh, this is dragging. It's, it actually yeah, feels it's just consistently great. I think as well, like the great thing about having a show that knows exactly how long it needs to be and it doesn't go further than that 
is that obviously one of the big fears now is that if you start loving a new show, which mm-hmm. is often an American one, it could be cancelled randomly because, True. you know, viewing figures might dip a little bit or mm-hmm. fans might react badly to something that happens in the story. And all of a sudden, this show that you've invested three, four, five seasons yeah. worth of time into just disappears out of nowhere. Yep, that happens a lot. But, yeah. But then with, with Gavin and Stacey, it was kind of like, there was this golden period of time where they made these three perfectly packaged series that took the characters took the characters from A to B to Z to exactly where they needed to get to, mm. and then they were there like, okay, we can leave it there now. And then yeah. the f- when they came back in two thousand nineteen at Christmas, and they were there like, we'll do more. The fans were all sort of trepidatious anyway, because obviously James Corden had gone away and become a huge Hollywood star, mm. and you wonder whether that magic's still going to be there. Mm. But what they did so well when they did get to that point was that they all knew that the fans didn't expect there to be more. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they treated that episode very much as we're going to check in with everyone. Yeah. Let's see how they're doing now rather than let's try and kickstart series four, five and six. Yeah. It was like, let's see how they're all doing. We'll throw in some references to the old stuff so that you know that you're in safe hands. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll progress these characters as stories but we're not going to leave you feeling unsatisfied mm. because those three original series that we got were perfect as they were. Yeah, and it sounds like you'd expect that from this show given the origin of it, given that initially it's based around building up to a wedding and, and colliding of worlds. That's a that's a point, that's the sort of thing that you're aiming towards in one season, and then if you do a couple of more, you'd obviously pick another moment that you get to. So it at least has a direction. Yeah, definitely. And I think as well, the, the, the thing that's great with Gavin and Stacey is that it's not really about like ambitious kind of long series arcs mm-hmm. where there's loads of like dramatic twists or, yeah. you know, loads of like, oh my God, I can't believe this character did that thing. Yeah. It is very much a kind of hangout kind of atmosphere in the show. Like you feel like you're an extension of gavin's family and of stacy's family you feel like you're sitting on the sofa with mick and pam or you're gonna have an omelet with gwen and, and right. Bryn. like it's it's really nice to have that atmosphere where it doesn't feel like there's pressure to build to something huge yeah and when there are moments that are more emotionally involving where i don't know um when stacy thinks that she can't have a baby or when smithy realizes that he's probably not going to end up with nessa like Mm. there's these little little peaks that you reach that kind of they're a bit of a sucker punch but at the same time in the context of everything else before and after it Mm. you kind of know that you're still in safe hands you don't have to get Mm. worried sometimes for me as someone that's like quite anxious in real life anyway Mm -hmm. when i return to gavin and stacy it's just a reminder that if something slightly dramatic happens in my life Mm -hmm it's okay because it's going to be calm again after that. Yeah. And with Gavin and Stacey, you get that all the time. You just get, here's the thing that's the bit of the storm. And then here's the calm that comes after it. Mm. Everything's okay. Everything works out. I think that's part of the comfort factor for me. Well, that's really nice to hear. And yeah, I'd say that's, that's makes total sense. I I think about it today. I thought you wouldn't, I wouldn't really class this as a straight up out and out sitcom necessarily i think of it more as like a sort of drama comedy you know like it's very grounded in reality as you say there's these moments these real things that happen but it is very calm um as you say it's generally a very relaxed 
show. Um, and I think I can see why that's uh, it gives the show a lot of appeal. So that's nice to hear, yeah, man. Definitely. I mean, I'll tell you what, then, speaking of, should we start? Let's have a look at a few of the characters. So I know this is something we've been doing in a few episodes, and I think it's just a great way to bounce around the uh, the series itself. So, yeah, I mean, I'm straight away. Uh, the top bill cast is Matthew Horn, who plays Gavin Shipman. I think, from what I remember of Gavin, I think it's a really, really just a really nice character. You know, he's he's very sort of. There's nothing particularly special about him, if that makes any sense. Like he's not an yeah. overly charismatic leading man, but he's just a nice guy, and I think that leads really yeah. well into his the way he bounces off uh, Joanna Page as Stacy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the the thing with Gavin and Stacy that is part of the reason why it works so well is also kind of part of the reason why something like Harry Potter works so well for, for its fans is that the main character isn't the most interesting character, but you care mm. enough about them that you're invested in everything that happens around them. Yeah. So Gavin's, you know, he's, he's just a normal kind of city boy. He's got a little bit of a kind of geezerish way about him. Nothing mm. close to as extreme as like Smithy's kind of more tricks the sort of jokes the personality right and stacy as well as she's quite an ordinary person like works in a department store like she's she's not they're not people that are not in a bad way but they're not like remarkable characters that you immediately go Mm. oh wow like i'm glued to the screen anytime i see them yeah but because they ease you into the lives of their families and the friends and the circles they move in they become the emotional core and you don't even really realize how invested you are until you see moments where things go wrong for them or until mm. you see moments where they're going through struggles like smithy and nessa are the characters that everyone quotes the most and yeah Bryn as well but then everything ultimately comes back to gavin and stacy because they're the reason like from a writing point of view as well as a like in the story point of view like they're the reason why everyone's there in the first place yeah so i think what Matthew Horn and Joanna Page had to do, which isn't easy, is they had to just give very natural performances. Like, yeah. there isn't, they're not like slapstick characters. They're not like melodramatic or theatrical characters. They just had to play it in a way that makes them feel like people you could know. Yeah. And I think that it's a credit to the writing, but a huge, huge credit to their performances mm. that you feel like they're people you believe in. Yeah. No, totally. I mean, I, the show is called Gavin and Stacey, after all. It's, you know, it's about a central romance. So, yeah, you're right. It has yeah. to be believable. It has to be something that you as an audience can buy into. And it, it's something that, again, is is generally a recurring theme in a lot of uh, sitcoms we've discovered talking about all of this is you've, you need to have, like, the stable relationship. You need to have one that kind of grounds the drama. And, and normally what will happen is the people that have that stable relationship will do a lot of the heavy dramatic lifting in the yeah, series. Definitely. And like you say, it can be very underplayed. It can be very relatable, which is fantastic. And again, that's the whole point of the show. And I think they just do a really good job. And I, I wasn't aware of um, what else Matthew Horner's sort of done. Cause my, my understanding is he's, he was friends with James Corden. Right. And then that's how he kind yeah, of got into it. It's yeah, it's, the after after Gavin and Stacey, there was a lot of pressure for Matthew Horn and James Corden to be like the next big comic double act. Like they were being talked about as like potentially future sort of Morecambe and Wise or two Ronnies. Like there was such a huge buzz around them 
for them being the next big thing mm-hmm. that they dove headfirst into like they did a terrible film called Lesbian Vampire Killers, oh, which was just a, <laughs> it was just a really I mean, by the title alone, you can kind of tell how bad the territory we're in is, but yeah. it's a really, truly terrible film and just a complete misfire. And they also did a um, sketch show called um, Horn and Cordon. Oh, yeah. And the there were a few things in it that were sort of mildly funny, but nothing was... Everything felt like you could tell there was pressure on them to make something that would be funny. So they were trying to be funny, Whereas with Gavin mm. and Stacey, they were funny because it just happened when they were on screen together. Things just make you laugh when they're together. Um, but the problem was um, with Matthew Horn and James Corden is that because of how sort of astronomical James Corden's rise was, like he was the writer of the show, yeah. Smithy was the character that everyone quoted and talked about. And, you know, he was going on Lily Allen's talk show and things like that. James Corden became very egotistical. Right. Um, and in his autobiography, like James Corden talks quite frankly about the fact that he became someone that he wasn't very proud of being at that point in time because he let the fame go to his head. Okay. But because of that, it completely ruined his relationship with Matthew Horn. Ah. And so Matthew Horn didn't act for ages then. Matthew Horn didn't do anything. Him and James Corden didn't talk to each other even, mm. which is just kind of, it's kind of heartbreaking to think about because they became such like thick, fast friends that they thought they could take on the world together and try to, and unfortunately failed to. But then when it came to the Gavin and Stacey sort of special that was out a couple of Christmases ago, Mm -hmm. James Corden reached out to Matthew Horn and enough time had passed that they could kind of move past things that they'd said in the past and things that they'd done. And like Matthew Horn came back and like in that, one episode he goes back to being gavin again with such ease and with such like gentle charisma Mm. that it makes you kind of wish he'd done more because like he was on the catherine tate show for a little while as well yeah he played the nan's uh nephew or grandson or something and he was quite funny (laughs) in that as well but um unfortunately because of how toxic things did become at one point between him and james corden he just we missed out on possibly a decade of hmm. you know great work from him that's fascinating i'm glad you've sort of shared that because i feel like it's something that does hover around the show yeah and it's worth acknowledging because i mean as much as <clears throat> excuse me as much as uh, gavin and stacy of course are a core relationship in the show gavin and, and smithy are also you know, they've got that kind of bromance thing. And, and it's a very funny re- part that I remember of the show. It's just a recurring joke of kind of Smithy's neediness and how, like, he's very, very not subtly jealous of the relationship <laughs> that Gavin has oh, with yeah. Stacey. He's, yeah. he's clearly he's, quite he, resentful. He acts, like a, he acts like a complete child. Like, anytime yeah. Smithy does, uh, anytime Gavin does anything with Stacey, yeah. like, Smithy yeah. treats it like it's a breakup. <laughs> yeah. Like, he. <laughs> He'll sort of drink away his sorrows and he'll be like, oh, okay, fine. You're not talking to me. That's fine. I understand. And he'll Mm. go in a mood for like a whole episode. And by the end of it, they'll obviously be friends again. Mm. And, you know, a lot of the the biggest sort of points of humor and references with the show come from Gavin and Smithy's friendship Mm. and like, you know, the sort of them doing the robot at the door and like the whole like Gavala and all that kind Mm. of stuff. Hey, Smithster. 
Smith? Hey, hello, Smithy, hey. darling. Hello, Smithy. <laughs> hey, hello, Smithy. All right, Bryn. Oh. What's going on? <laughs> What's going on? What's going on? Been asking myself the same question over and over again in my head, first thing in the morning, last thing at night. What is going on, Gavin? What? I've been ringing you every day for three weeks. Your phone's been off. Oh. Is that all? I haven't told him of you. Oh. I was on my honeymoon. Right. Can we all stop calling it a honeymoon, right? It's just a holiday. Yeah, but it wasn't just a holiday. It was the best time of my life. When I went to Malaga with Lucy and her nana, right, I called you every day, sometimes twice. Sometimes thrice. Back off, Mick. You're only ringing for the West Ham scores. That was an excuse, you fool. I was getting the updates on my mobile. I was ringing you... I was ringing you because I missed you. But then, at the same time as well, some of this series' most, like, unexpectedly emotional stuff comes from them as well so like mm. when smithy does his best man speech at the wedding mm. and he try he tries to like have a few terrible jokes like they're like oh raise a toast and he picks up a piece of toast yeah. and then like he tries to actually talk about how he feels about his best mate mm. and he just starts crying and he gives up straight away <laughs> uh. and like but i think that that is something that people like very much latch on to mm. i think like for me as well i grew up in I grew up in an environment where a lot of the male figures in my life were very sort of like traditionally masculine, very mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. you've, you know, you don't really show that you care about your guy mates. You kind of show it by drinking more or whatever, <laughs> or like, you know, give each other a dead arm kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas yeah. like, there's like a really nice softness beneath the surface with Gavin and Smithy's relationship that kind of, I don't know, I think it had quite a big impact on me to kind of go, okay, it's all right to be a sensitive guy if that's the kind of person that you are. Totally. I mean, th this has given me flashbacks to my chat with Andy Godian about Scrubs, and, like, that's a big theme in Scrubs is JD and Turk is, like, this very over-the-top friendship that they have. But again, yeah, similar thing to this. It's, it's like, those kind of relationships that you see in these shows show you that as a bloke, yeah, it's totally fine. You, you're allowed to give your friend a hug. You're allowed to be sensitive. You know, you don't, like you said, don't have to be all, all right, mate, you know, and yeah, yeah absolutely. overcompensate for anything. Um, yeah, definitely. And I think that's really cool. And yeah, I, I have to say that the characters, I think, just work really well together. And, you know, say what you will about James Corden. I know he's not the most popular actor in the world at times. And as you say, that's probably attributed to some of, his previous behaviour, but I think the performance he, he gives as Smithy is, I think, is really good. He's definitely a yeah, standout character, I mean, and he wrote the, the show. Thing, yeah, yeah, I mean, he for one, yeah, he wrote the show, and the the character is, it, it's one of those like classic British TV characters, like Blackadder or Jim Royal yeah. or Del Boy. Like, yeah, it's like a proper everybody knows who Smithy is, right? Like everyone knows a moment like a smithy moment whether it's him doing the robot or whether it's him mm. singing do they know it's christmas and shouting it's christmas or <laughs> if he's rapping american boy in a car park like yeah there are so many smithy moments that are like these are in lists of top 50 greatest british tv moments whatever um but i think as well just on james corden because there's 
probably likely to be very few chances where I'll be on a podcast where I'm talking about James Corden <laughs> and it's a safe and it's a safe space to talk about him in a, in a positive light. Right. But um, I one of the reasons that I wanted to talk about Gavin and Stacey and one of the reasons why I love it as much as I do uh-huh. is that as a as a kid I was very very heavily overweight. Right. Um, I was kind of given the impression by family at times by kids at school definitely and by teachers as well at at times as well that because I was bigger I either needed to change or that Mm. there was fundamentally just something wrong with me being bigger and that was like somehow there was a link between being big and not really having much going for you so when I discovered Gavin and Stacey and saw that the character that everyone liked the most was Smithy and then I found out that the guy that played Smithy actually wrote the thing. So he was an actor and he was writing it. Mm. And then I found out after that, that he'd done like stuff on stage with the history boys. Like for me, that was such a huge moment of sort of self-acceptance that I can't underestimate enough where I saw James Corden and as much as people can talk about his ego or that he panders to celebrities or that there's rumors that he doesn't treat his staff that well now, like at the moment where I discovered who he was mm. and I got his autobiography, May I Have Your Attention, Please, which goes into quite a lot of detail about where his kind of neediness comes from as a person. Mm. Like at a very formative age for me, I realized that like being big, A, didn't have to hold me back. B, didn't have to be the source of any talent or funniness or anything like that that I could have. But like I could just do the things that I wanted to do regardless because that's mm. what he was doing. Like he wrote one of the most beloved sitcoms of the twenty first century. Yeah. Gave us one of the most beloved characters of the twenty first century on, you know, British TV. Mm-hmm. And regardless of anything that's come before or since, yeah. Like that gave me confidence that I didn't have coming from anywhere else at a very important time to be trying to find that confidence. So right. like for me that's something that I I can thank that show or James Corden enough for. So that's my reason why I don't always go against him like everyone else seems to. No, that, do you know what? Thank you for sharing that, first of all. Um, and secondly, I think that's lovely. That's, yeah, I'm, I'm genuinely lost for words. Like, that's a really lovely sentiment. And um, no, I, personally, I got nothing against the guy. Like, you know, okay, I don't like everything he's in, but so what you know I, I i don't know the guy personally all i know is is as you say i have to give him credit for this this role and this writing and, and if it can have a positive effect like that on someone's life such as yourself can't take that away from somebody so yeah hats off and i mean i think i think part of it as well though with someone like james corden is that mm. i think it's a very british thing to do to see somebody mm-hmm. that sort of started from nothing and became successful yeah you i feel like there's a british society thing where it's like we can only let someone get so successful yeah before we start yeah. disliking them for being successful yeah like yeah, we liked true. him when he did gavin and stacy and he wasn't doing anything bigger than a tv show that we watched on bbc3 yeah but when he went over to america and became successful in films and then got a talk show and you see him driving around in a car with paul mccartney or lady gaga i yeah. think a lot of people all of a sudden are there like oh well you're not men who have done that much. Like, come on, leave leave something for the rest of us. Yeah, that's, you know, that's true. That's probably deep down part of it. And I just think regardless, you know, if you, you like the guy, don't like the guy, whatever, you ha- you can't deny that it's a really good job that he and, uh, he and Ruth Jones did working on this show. And the character that he brought to it, as you say, is 
undeniably iconic you know there's lots of moments as you said and there's something about him that's very recognizable and it's interesting that that happens because of course he's not the main character you know of the show yeah. but he's definitely a standout and so i think fair play and I, and once again if that can have a positive impact on somebody's life like you've just shared i, I don't think you can ask for a higher compliment personally yeah and I think that's the great thing with like a podcast like this or when you hear people talk about shows or films or anything that they love mm. is that even if people attached to certain projects or whatever have done things wrong in their own lives or there's things that you mm. disagree with about them or anything like that, you can't ever take away the positive impact that can have on good people or people yeah. that are trying to be good. True. Um, so yeah, I, I, think, I think James Corden... Fair enough, he can be a bit annoying sometimes. Mm-hmm. Not a huge fan of Peter Rabbit too. But, <laughs> but at the same time, Gavin and Stacey is something that I will, because of him, get to carry with me for the rest of my life, which is, you know, really cool. Yeah, and again, I think that's the highest compliment uh, he could be paid personally, so fair play. And, you know, I, I think it, uh, something that stands out to me about his character, and you, you'll have to remind me because my memory's hazy of this, I feel like he's a character that does at least get some growth because, you know, as the show goes on, like you said, he has this needy relationship with his mate. Yeah. Okay. He struggles a bit with that, but then he finds out he's a dad. He's yeah. going to be a dad. And it's kind of like the big wake up call for him to sort of grow up a bit. And... Yeah. Cause uh, when you, when you first meet Smithy, he is very much supposed to be like Cockney geezer, kind of Jack the lad. Yeah. Drinks a lot. There's a, one of the, one of the, running jokes in the show that has probably aged the least well is about his girlfriend lucy right who there's kind of the running joke is that she is supposed to be of of like a legal age but when they talk about her mm. it's always there like oh i've got to go and pick her up from netball or she's doing a right. dv so like you never meet this lucy character yeah but all of the references to her are always in lights where you kind of go hang on it wait how old is she supposed to be again right and that's okay. kind of like a running joke thing that shows that he is in the outset, out, out, from the outset, like mm. he's depicted as being a very laddish kind of guy. Mm. But like you say, when he realizes that Ness is pregnant and that he's going to be a dad, that does start to soften him. And he realizes mm. what is important in his life. Like when the the baby or Neil, the baby, as all mm. of the characters call him, even when he's grown up, yeah. um, when he actually arrives you see this like softness and mellowing in Smithy that is executed really well from just a narrative standpoint of like, it's, it doesn't feel forced and it doesn't feel like one day he wakes up and he's a different guy. Sure. But also like in James Corden's performance, all of a sudden, like some of his mannerisms and things just get a little bit softer. Mm. And you see like one thing that James Corden does really well in the role of Smithy, because I think it must on some level, when you write something that is that like, ingrained in real world issues and real world people and experiences there must be some of him that he puts into that character anyway Mm. oh for sure but there's a but there's a real genuine sort of emotion in his eyes and in the way that he speaks when he talks to nessa about being a good dad or Mm. when he sees her about to marry dave coaches and he doesn't (laughs) want Mm. her to marry him because he knows he he's realized that he loves it and that it's okay to admit that. Um, mm. And yeah, I, I, I think that it, there is a really, a really good character arc with him. Mm. I think all of the characters just gently grow in ways that you don't necessarily expect. 
Yeah. And again, it comes back to that thing that they all end up where they need to be and you don't need 100 episodes in 25 series yeah. to get there. Totally, totally. And I think that just helps to kind of keep it grounded and relatable. And I mean, speaking of, and you've just mentioned, I think another character absolutely worth talking about is, of course, uh, Ruth Jones as Nessa Jenkins, possibly my favourite character in the show, just for her outlandish oh, stories yeah. and stuff. She's, she comes she's out absolutely with. incredible. And like, as well, <laughs> as much as I attribute a lot of my like personal relationship with the show to the fact that mm. James Corden writes it, it's very important to not ignore the fact that Ruth Jones write, wrote it just as much as he did. Oh, absolutely. Like they, yeah. they would stay in hotel like rooms together for like six, eight hours a day, mm. writing and writing and like, she went on to do a really good um, sort of gentle comedy drama series called Stella that I'd recommend watching. Um, uh-huh. But she's a really, really lovely, lovely person. It, she comes across in interviews. But as Nessa, it's such an outlandish character. Like, the the amount of political figures and celebrities she's apparently absconced with at one point or another. Yeah. Or the... <laughs> the amount of times that you know you just hear like an oh what's occurring like anywhere mm-hmm. that you go mm-hmm. or tidy like these are things that again as a english an english kid going to wales mm-hmm. and like hearing this like larger than life welsh like full-blooded woman like <laughs> coming in like a wrecking ball with a black leather and a studded yeah. gloves and a tattoo of the welsh dragon mm. and driving a big big truck like she is like such a force of nature and it's so fun to watch her throughout the series and again she's another one of those characters that you get all of the like outlandish comical stuff that you remember but mm. she also has this like quite soft sweet relationship with stacy yeah. that mirrors gavin's with smithy and it's just so mm. oh it's so investing to watch it it is it's it's that's something that i always thought was interesting whenever i did catch an episode was the odd pairings because you can kind of understand why gavin and smithy are friends because they're both kind of like you said lads from sort of the south end but with with nessa and stacy it's like it's night and day you know because stacy's this very sweet kind of quiet as you said very ordinary girl and nessa you've used the perfect expression is a force of nature it's just like this larger than life character but i always felt like there's this really lovely maternal instinct that comes across from the character like she's always looking out for for stacy and it's like that's the exact kind of friend you want yeah definitely and i think like for for me when i watch it as well i think the show does a really good job of like you never forget the fact that stacy's dad is no longer with her yeah uh like it's always there under the surface and it comes through Mm. in some really really beautiful moments like there's a there's a moment that never fails to make me cry when Bryn Mm. reads out um the letter that Stacy's dad had written ready for her wedding day, but he wouldn't. He wasn't going to be there to give her it. Yeah. Uh, so Brim reads it out to her, and like that just leaves me in pieces every single time. Aww. But I think what's really lovely is that even though Nessa is this like larger than life character, yeah, like you say, there's this like maternal relationship where Stacy has, you know, Gwen is very lovely. She can be a bit of a battle axe when she needs to be. Yeah. Uh, Brin is Brin is a complete wet lettuce. Like <laughs> Brin is very much like he's he's lovely, but he's not the strongest. Like he's not a a manly sort no. of paternal figure in the traditional sense. Mm. And like Nessa seems to be like mum and dad rolled into one. Like she gives Stacy the tough love when she needs it. Yeah. She gives her the sort of nurturing when she needs it. 
and she's also willing to have a bath while Stacey's in the shower and ask her to shave her back for her. So like, yeah, yeah, she's she's got she's got levels. This is it, like yeah, and and that's I think what makes her so interesting to watch because you just don't know what she's going to do or say next. It's completely, no, not at all. but also completely comfortable in her own skin and. I yeah. kind I kind of love characters like that in shows because they can be very inspiring. I think because yeah, I think she's totally unapologetic. Yes, exactly, and I think to some level, all of us can sometimes feel like we need to put on a bit of an act, or we need to be someone different, or or whatever. But it's really always so refreshing when you see a character like that on screen, who is just as you said, unapologetically themselves. And it kind of reminds you that it's okay to be different or it's okay to just embrace your own quirks. And and it, from, from what it sounds like in her life, it gets her into all kinds of bizarre situations and she's got plenty of stories as a result. Don't you need some sort of special licence to drive one of them? No, not for a seven and a half tonne, you don't. But I've driven them bigger than that, Mick. I used to drive the sets for the Who on their world tours. Great days. Till I found out some things about Pete Townsend that I didn't like. And all I'll say is, and I said it to his face, where is the book? Yeah, no, exactly. And I think as I think it, you completely hit the nail on the head. Like, she is a, a perfect example of like embracing your individuality. Mm. Like, you know, she she puts on the eyeliner. She's got the the leather gloves. She's this like loud, brash, like I say, unapologetic character that comes through like an absolute force of nature. And it's so cool to. Because often in sitcoms and things, like if there are the sort of this, I hate saying sub characters because they're they're mm. not less important than the main characters. But mm-hmm. so often, female side characters in series get relegated to being like second love interest or right. like you know there has to be some kind of like oh well this character is only important to be the shoulder to cry on for this character. Sure. Whereas like Nessa completely owns her own narrative. Yeah. Like she doesn't take any like nonsense from anyone. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, you see that in her relationship with like her relationship with Dave Coaches. Like yeah. he's quite a sort of blokey bloke driving his bus around mm. and like she she'll be herself with him and not apologize for it. Yeah. And her relationship with Smithy, like mm. they balance each other out in a weird way. They rub each other up the wrong way to begin with. That's like a recurring thing where mm. they kind of feel like they shouldn't be together, but something's just pulling them towards each other. Um, but ultimately, it's that kind of opposites attract thing. And somewhere, somewhere along the line, mm. as happens in real life, people fall in love with people that they didn't necessarily think that they would. Yeah. And the way that Ruth Jones writes that with James Corden the way that she sells it in the performance mm. um, is, yeah, it's great. And again, she's another one that would easily be on a list of like top 10, top 20 British TV sitcom characters. Totally. Absolutely. Um, I, I mean, speaking of female characters, we did touch upon her, but I'd, I'd like to talk a little bit more about Stacey because again, of course, she's you know, the other part of the lead. And I, I think Joanna Page does a lovely job. It's just this really sweet, lovely girl oh, yeah. and you can totally yeah. see why her and gavin would would be together yeah and she's also the probably sole reason why the the phrase lush has <laughs> continued to endure for the last like 15 <laughs> years because yeah. there's a word that probably could have died out by now but thanks True. to the way that she says it and the way that she she is as a character it's it's stuck around <laughs> but yeah jo- joanna joanna page again like i said with matthew horn and having to 
have like a lot of humility to play a role in a very understated way. Mm. I think that the the progression that you have with Stacy, when you take into account things like when her and Gavin first get together, like she's obviously worried about meeting a new man. We find out that she's been engaged several times. That's like a big plot point and a, like the first real point of conflict between her and Gavin. But like she she always knows who she is. Mm. And even when she's unsure about the things that are going on around her, she has this very nice way of figuring things out for herself. She doesn't need someone to solve her problems for her. She She's pragmatic and she's willing to learn from the experiences that she has. And the relationship that she has with Gavin isn't like a he wears the trousers or she wears the trousers. Mm. They give and take in equal measure over the course of all three series. And I think that it's a really healthy, positive relationship dynamic that the series shows is mm. that comes down from like, you see in Stacy, the influence of Gwen and Bryn, you see, right. you see the steel that Gwen's placed in her because her dad's not there. Mm. And you see the softness in her and the openness to others that she's got from Bryn. Yeah. And I think that um yeah, I, I think that again, Stacy, both Gavin and Stacy, they're two characters that they're not the eye grabbing, headline grabbing kind of here's my favourite moment in the series kind of thing. Mm. But they quietly are just anchoring all of it. Everything that goes on around it wouldn't be able to happen without them. Absolutely. Yeah, it's that it's that steady relationship and it brings you to all those big dramatic and funny moments because yeah. Yeah, as we said earlier, a lot of the comedy is just based in f- funny day-to-day kind of interactions and and sayings and all those kind of things and they they definitely ground as you say a lot of that. I yeah, think it's definitely. wonderful. Um uh, something you you mentioned just then I think is obviously worth bringing up are the two surrogate parents that she has in uh, yeah. Bryn and Gwen played by um Rob Brydon and Melanie Walters respectively. I love their pairing as you say that kind of soft and dark kind of <laughs> you know yeah. s- that they have going on it's it's really really entertaining to watch and in Rob Brighton someone I've mentioned briefly in another episode before and I think he's absolutely wonderful in this you have to start everything everything with www dot and the best thing to do is to think of something to help remind you like with me now I think of whiskey with water which was my brother god rest his soul my brother's favorite drink but it could be anything i mean you could say come on three w's um women wearing wings oh, don't say that that's a terrible one <laughs> what about world wide web world wide web i like it like a spider hey that's the ticket that's brilliant you've got it first class that is Joe. what is it you do if you don't mind me asking i work in computers oh. Oh yeah, I I I really I just I love Rob Brydon so much. Anyway, I think he's he's a great comic actor as well as a comedian in his own right. Mm. But I think as as Bryn, he he does. He's such a Bryn is such a lovely soft character, and not yeah. soft in a way that would often be carried off with a negative connotation. He's soft in a way that just makes it makes it feel like the people around him will be safe if he's there. 
And yeah. he doesn't have to like be particularly boisterous no. to get his point across. He can be quite quiet, quite commanding in his own way. There's obviously like a lot of there's the running joke with the fishing trip and right. what actually did happen on the fishing trip, no one will ever know. <laughs> in the right. Christmas special a couple of years ago, it was like he was about to reveal it and it's just something that we will never know what happened on <laughs> his fishing trip. We know it was cold, we know it was dark. Yeah, and you know they needed to keep warm, but we don't know what happened between him and him and Jason, which is his uh, <laughs> yeah. nephew. But um, there's there's something about and like I t- I said before about the scene with um, him delivering to Stacy the letter that her father wrote her for when she got married. Mm. Um, Bryn just anchors anchors her, gives her comfort, gives her solace. Um, and also he has no idea about technology whatsoever. He thinks everything <laughs> he discovers has only just been invented. Yeah. There's a really, really great, great scene where um, he's introducing Gavin to the idea of YouTube. And yeah. <laughs> I, I've been on the YouTube. Yeah. And then he's there like, but just remember to put a www dot before... And yeah. then he's coming up with these different like suggestions for what the three W's could stand for. And Gavin's yeah. there like, World Wide Web? And he's like, Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, and like, but like, and again, it's so much of the comedy is like mm. little throwaway moments where a character's just being a bit daft or they're mm. a bit slow on the uptake. It's not like here's a big comic set piece where yeah. he steps on a rake and then someone throws a pie in the face or. Yeah. You know, there doesn't have to be like a big elaborate thing that gets everyone in one place for something funny to happen. Mm. So much of it is like people sat on sofas or sat at tables or in mm-hmm. the car just having a chat and then someone says something and then all of a sudden you're just rolling on the floor laughing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, one of my favourite moments that I can remember vividly in my head is, I can't remember why, but they're on some sort of long car ride and Bryn just insists on having the sat-nav voice on the entire way there. And it's like long stretches yeah. of row where nothing's happening, but he doesn't want to miss anything. And like yeah. you said, it's that kind of wide-eyed, like, oh, I've just discovered this. And they're all sat there in the car just bored because they're like, yeah, we get it. It's a sat-nav. <laughs> yeah. And also another great sort of recurring motif with Bryn that ended up with a comic relief song is right. the fact that he's he's a bit of a budding singer. And so whenever he's in the <laughs> yeah. car on his own, he's always listening to James Blunt yeah, and right. uh, the song Three Wise Men. <laughs> but um, for, yeah, for Comet Relief, they recorded uh, Nessa and Bryn singing Islands in the Stream. Oh, that's which cool. Was a, which was a really, like, I had that CD single. Like, mm. my mum worked in Woolworths at the time when Woolworths was still a thing. And, like, I I went mm. and bought that CD single <laughs> and played it quite a lot. That's cool. But, um, yeah... Like I say, a lot of a lot of the comedy is just silly things like someone singing in a car or, mm. you know, everyone has got that like sort of techie or would be techie member of the family that thinks that, oh, look at this new thing that I've just discovered yeah. that you've definitely not heard of that has actually existed for 10 years. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like my fiance's granddad, he's constantly <laughs> showing us things that he's there like, did you know you could do this? And I'm there like, yep. yep. Facebook's existed for 17 <laughs> years now. Yeah. But but it's it's you laugh you la- yeah. you don't laugh at them, you don't laugh with them. You just kind of you just kind of laugh at, at at the funniness of the moment. Yeah. Like it's not malicious at all. No, no, not at and all. And that's another great thing about the show is that 
I don't think much of the humour, if any of it, is malicious. Mm. Sometimes shows feel like they have to have a bit of a hard edge to the comedy. Mm. Whereas with Gavin and Stacey, a lot of it is just, you just find it funny, the situations that they do get into and the mm. things that they come out with. Yeah, like you said, I think it's because there's lots of little relatable moments like that. Like, you know, once you just mentioned there and... Um... Yeah, it's it's so true, and, and that's I think part of the charm of the show and what makes it just nice to watch and it makes you yeah, laugh absolutely. at those moments because you can relate or you've like yeah I know someone who does that or I've got a friend that's that way inclined and it's a nice colliding of worlds I think um, as well. I'm just thinking about the other characters because uh, of course Gavin's uh, parents are played by Alison Stedman and Larry Lamb, you know, sort of British comedy kind of heavyweights, heavyweights yeah. you know and and so it's nice that you've got them paired up with like rob Bryan and melanie walters and they've got this really nice back and forth and there's yeah. that angle the, of, of parents meeting for the first time which everyone is kind of oh how's this going to go down and i mean because the great thing as well with like pam and mick because i can't believe i've not even mentioned them yet because mm. on 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 any day i could say that they're my favorite characters because right. i do think that Alison Stedman and Larry Lamb are just, they're so great as a pairing on screen. Yeah. Like the, the, oh my Christ is something that I say quite often. <laughs> right. um, okay. Or, or like the, when, when there's an episode where Mick has been interviewed for the local news channel mm-hmm. and uh, he's, they get everyone around like Dawn and Pete come around who we'll probably get onto in a minute. Yeah. Like ev- the whole family's there mm-hmm. and they all sit down to watch it. And then he finds out that his interview has been heavily edited <laughs> and all that all that's been left of it is him saying, oh, it's just not what you expect to see when you come into work on a Monday morning. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, yeah, from that point onwards, all of the characters are just constantly jibing at him about the fact that that was his like one big moment of fame. Yeah. But the, the great thing is, is that like Pam is like a neurotic sort of very over the top kind of like. Gwen, but if Gwen didn't have the filter on her and right. was just kind of like a little bit manic all the time, <laughs> so there's like there's this whole thing that when when Stacy's family are first coming to Billericay, mm. where Pam decides inexplicably that she's a vegan. Yeah, and so, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and so she <laughs> she's she's looking at all of this meat that she really wants. <laughs> she's got this horrible. Like, don't get me wrong, there are some lovely vegan food. Yeah. Mainly in, like, 2008, not so many nice options for vegan food. No. But the, she's got this, like, nut roast that she's made that she's absolutely hating. Mm. She's telling everyone she's a vegan. Everyone knows that she clearly isn't. And then she gets caught, like, trying to, like, scoff a couple of sausages or some bacon or something. Yeah, yeah. Instead of, oh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm so weak. Pam, what are you doing? I'm not going I didn't know you were in. You're eating ham, Pam. Oh, thank God you came in. I crumbled. I'm so weak. Pam. No, don't look at me. Pam! I'm disgusting. Pam, are you really a vegetarian? Yes, I just... Because I've seen you, Pam. What do you mean? A scotch egg, yeah. Bit of bacon there. Putting those regular sausages in the Linda McCartney box. I didn't want to say nothing. Do you think ill of me, my child? No, of course not. It's just, I get these cravings, you know? I had four cheeseburgers the other day with Big Fat Sue. We ate them in a car wash. Don't beat yourself up, Pam. Promise me that you'll speak of this to no one. What you on about? Swear it. Forsake me not. Pam, I don't really understand what you're saying. Just don't tell anyone, all right? Hey, yeah. Uh... Hiya, love. You all right, you two? Yeah. We're just 
chewing the fat, ain't we, Stace? <laughs> Stace, you know you really shouldn't wave this under Pam's nose. You know how she feels about people eating meat. She's so concerned with keeping up appearances. Yeah. Like, she's so concerned with, like, looking like the sort of strong lady that's well-to-do on top of all the current issues of the day. Mm -hmm. And then you've got the, like, balance of that is Mick, who's, like, he's, like... Because I, I grew up without my, like, biological dad around at all. If I could, like, dreamcast a dad, I'd be there like Mick every day. Right. Mick's such a great dad. Like, he's a steady pair of hands. Yeah. He knows how to cook his turkey. He's very proud of the way that he cooks his turkey. Yeah. When everything else is going crazy around him, he is, like, the calm in the storm. Mm. Like, nothing nothing bothers him. Nothing, like, sends him in a flap. Mm. Um, in the Christmas special as well, there's a lovely moment where he gets given a, a keyboard, which is something that he really he wanted, but he hasn't played a keyboard in years. Mm -hmm. And so... He just he, he gets out this keyboard. Everyone's gathered around at the end of a quite sort of dramatic episode where um, Smithy's found out that Ness is pregnant and, you know, there's all of this stuff going on around them. And, like, Mick gets out the keyboard and he starts playing Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Mm. And he just sings it over these kind of, like, slow, very almost melodramatic shots of the whole family all around together. Mm. And in that moment, like... I feel like that crystallizes what Mick is as a character. Right. Like he brings everything down to this like nice, very gentle level. Yeah. When, when he's the center of things, when he's talking, everyone's listening. Mm. Like nobody, nobody would challenge his authority because he's just such a gent, gently commanding presence. Mm. Um, and Larry Lamb just plays it so, so well. Yeah. I, that's exactly what I was thinking. Um, when I sort of first looked at the cast, I thought, yeah, I just remember him being, pretty much exactly what you're saying there that very calm voice of reason which you need you need in a in a big family dynamic like this and as you say larry lamb just plays it to an absolute t and always lovely to have um yeah have has a presence in this show absolutely brilliant um you just mentioned two of the characters and you have to remind me of the relation but i do remember them as just being really bizarre characters oh, <laughs> in dawn yeah. and pete sutcliffe so remind me how they're related to everyone again Okay, so first things first, just because you mentioned their last names being Sutcliffe. Yeah. One mm. of the one of the jokes <laughs> with Gavin and Stacey that they, they put in there for I think it was just as a like a little Easter egg almost. Yeah. Is that uh Gavin's Gavin's family are the the Wests, named after Fred and Rose West, notorious serial killers. Yep. Uh Stacey's family are the Shipmans, named after the infamous serial killer Harold Shipman. And then Dawn and Pete are named after Peter Sutcliffe, the Yorkshire Ripper. <laughs> so you've got these three completely ordinary, not at all killer people families, and they all share the surnames of very notorious serial killers. You've actually just blown my mind. How did I not put that together? <laughs> it's it's such a because it's because it's like oh. no one ever treats it as being anything like of consequence. Even when the two families first meet, there's not really like oh. a moment of acknowledgement. You could go the entire time. You could watch mm. it over and over and over and never notice it. But when you do, oh, you're just kind of there, like Jesus. They've got the yeah. They've got the names of some that's, of the most notorious serial killers. That's darkly genius. I think that's brilliant. Oh, yeah. but, <laughs> but sorry, but yeah, carry Dawn, on. Dawn and Dawn and Pete oh. are they are comedy gold. They are mad as a box of frogs, but they are comedy yeah. gold nevertheless. They've got such a weird. Again, so much of Gavin and Stacey's like charm comes down to the fact that 
all the couples are a little bit weird, apart from Gavin and Stacey themselves, who are quite sort of normal by most people's standards. Right. All of the other couples, like, oscillating around them are quite weird. Dawn and Pete have got the most weirdly, like, toxic kind of very sensual, charged relationship. Like, right. one minute, one minute you've got Dawn and Pete pretending to do, like, a role play where he's the captain of a ship coming into port, <laughs> and she's got to pretend to be, like, the lady that he's only got one night to spend with. Oh, my goodness. And then another another day you'll you'll see them in... They're trying to introduce a third party into into the bedroom. Wow! And it's like, okay. oh, okay, wow, that's a little bit out there. Yeah. And then when when we get the like supposedly emotional peak of Dawn and Pete's relationship when they have a vow renewal, mm-hmm. Pete starts. Well, firstly, Dawn is quoting lyrics from the Michael Jackson song Ben, <laughs> and then Pete in return quotes <laughs> back to her the lyrics to Fix You by Coldplay. <laughs> <laughs> complete with even though he's been told absolutely not to uh, complete with him going like lights will ga you ho and your bones and like everyone's told him you, d- you don't have to say you don't have to say the That's, the gaps in the oh, and it's just incredible. they're such a they're such a stupid couple mm. like there are so many things about them that kind of make you go they're not they're not going to make it. But then at the mm. same time, again, it comes back to that thing of there are couples that like, you know, your mum or your dad's got friends that you think they've been together for 20, 30 years. How on earth have they managed that long without ripping each other's heads off at some point? Like, yeah. And with Dawn and Pete, like they in the Christmas special, the 2019 one, uh, there's this whole thing where Dawn's on a complete mad one because she thinks that Pete's become a drug addict. Right. And uh, it turns out what has actually happened is that two of the lads that Pete works with mm-hmm. have given him like one small pouch of marijuana that right. was in his glove box. And he hadn't even smoked it at that point. Right. But she was talking about it. Like he was like a heroin addict. She was there, like, <laughs> yeah. he's not the same Pete. I've always known. He's not the same. Yeah. And, um, the, she talks uh, about how great. do not let me fall from our trust tree again, Pete. And it's like, <laughs> they've got this such like intense, intense relationship. Yeah. yeah. And it provides a lot of the like, because it's such a grounded in sort of naturalism show, mm. whenever you feel like James Corden and Ruth Jones want to branch out into something that's a little bit more absurdist or a little bit more surreal, mm. Pete and Dawn will just turn up and all of a sudden yeah. things will get a little bit crazy for a little while. Yeah. And then it'll kind of remind you of the sort of comparative sort of or relative normalcy of everyone else. Right. Which I think any good sitcom, you need to have that like, yes, there's the completely crazy one. Yeah. Now we know that the rest of them are actually quite normal, like quite normal. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, you get those kind of fringe characters that just turn up and do weird stuff or say weird stuff and then just yeah, disappear. It's almost, <laughs> it's almost like you can feel the camera like fast pan away yeah. to the weirdo. Yeah. And then it's like, here's the weird stuff. And then you can see it slowly go back and it's like, are they really that weird after all, the rest of them? Exactly. And it does that really well. It's great, man. And it, it, I think from what you said of all of that, it just, it really shows that it's quite a well-balanced series. And as you said, it's short and sweet. So perhaps if people are listening, if they've never seen it before, or like myself, you've seen bits of it and you've not got around to watching the whole thing, like I'm certainly going to go back and give this a, the full rewatch. Uh, again, I know my sister 
rewatches it a few times um so I, I think i'll jump on that train as well but yeah definitely but before i sort of close up i just want to know jordan is there anything else you want to talk about with this show because i feel like you've really opened this up and and you've even shared some personal stories so thank you for doing that no not at all um i mean the the thing is with with gavin and stacy is that I've got quite a few friends in my life that I've like either drifted away from or they've moved away to different places or, you know, we've lost touch somewhere along the line or even members of my family that I don't always necessarily get to speak to as much as I'd like to. Uh And I feel like with Gavin and Stacey, that's the kind of show that I remember when the 2019 Christmas special was coming around. Like I don't always have the best of relationships with like my mum at home and I I hadn't talked to some of my friends that had gone to university that I used to be really close with in high school. Mm -hmm. And like, there was such a sense of occasion around it coming back. This like, there was like a little trailer for it and people were like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen here. I wonder what that means. Mm. And like, it's it's one of those programs that makes you want to reach out to the people that you care about and remind them that you care about them, which I think, I don't think that's unique to Gavin and Stacey. I think like, for me, I've got a, a friend, Sarah, who recently moved to London and she is like the biggest Gavin and Stacey fan that I know. And like when I came on here, mm. I was there like, I can't wait to be able to like share that with her because I, I hope that she'll get to listen to it and yeah. enjoy hearing about it because I know that whenever she's going through like a rough time or anything, she'll stick it on and she'll feel comfort whenever I'm going through a rough time. Yeah. I'll stick a random episode on. I don't even have to like go like series one, episode one or mm. Christmas special like I could just go slap bang in there like Stacey's hen night and right. I'm straight into it and I'm taken back to a time when things felt a lot more simple. Mm. Um, I think that I owe a debt of thanks to Gavin and Stacey not only for what it's done for me on a personal level with like confidence or mm-hmm. just giving me something to laugh about, but it is something that just, yeah, uh, with with any show that you really hold close to your heart, it makes you remember how much you appreciate the people that you do appreciate yeah. and a lot of the shows about everyone in it loving each other and the reasons that they do the things that they do is because ultimately they want the best for one another um, mm. and i think that that's something that's going to be timeless and that's why the show continues to resonate even 13 14 years after it originally aired mm. because they're enduring themes like everyone's always going to know what it's like to meet new people and be scared and also excited and falling in love and all that kind of thing mm. um but yeah i just i i really do love it also it's got a great theme song uh mm. run which um the uh recently there was an article that said that the the guy who sang it i can't remember his name off the top of my head uh apparently didn't want it to be used in the show oh. but i can say very glad that it was used and that he agreed to let it be used in the end because um that whole tell me tomorrow i'll wait by the window for you is like that's like the the holding glue of mm. the whole show and it's it kind of gently sends me off on my way after it finishes nice nice man well i'm glad you said that um J- jordan thank you so much this has been a really lovely conversation and you know it's it's always nice to hear people's reasons for loving shows and i think this this has been quite a personal episode and it's been really lovely to hear so thank you and yeah no thank you very much for having me anytime um and of course shout out to your friend sarah if she does indeed hear this yeah definitely <laughs> i'm gonna have to send her this now and she's gonna have to listen because i'll be there like right i mentioned you in this yeah yeah <laughs> so. this is it 
So um, I guess to take us home, Jordan, when, where can the good people find you? Okay, so uh, I tweet quite a lot, uh, Jordan <laughs> MB King. Um, I have a letterboxed account where I review films all the time, uh, Jordan K98, and I have writing, uh, I've written for Empire Magazine, um, Film Stories, Zavi, Movies on Weekends, Movie Market. There's, if you look hard enough, you'll find something that I've written somewhere that might be worth reading, possibly. Awesome. Well, I'll put some links in for the, the people listening. But Jordan, thank you so much for coming on, my friend. No, thank you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. And there we have it. A huge thank you to Jordan for coming on to the podcast and sharing your love of Gavin and Stacey with all of us. That was such a delight. And if you're listening, you want to hear more from Jordan, you want to read some of his reviews that he's done for the likes of Empire, then go and check out his social media links that are in the description of this podcast to do so. As well, if you like the artwork that you see with this particular podcast, then reach out to Alex Jenkins. His details are also in the show notes. You can commission him for your own art as well. A massive thank you to every single one of you who has been subscribing, following, and just generally sharing the podcast. I am so grateful. Honestly, I just I can't put it into words how much I appreciate your support. And of course, if you want to leave me a lovely five-star review, go that one step further. Well, who am I to stop you? And if you do, definitely tell me that you've done so because you will earn a shout out on the podcast. That is all from me. I'll be back again next week with another sitcom and another guest. And as always, I will leave a small clip at the end of this episode as a clue for what is coming up next. So until next time, stay tuned and stay safe. People see me and they see the suit and they go, you're not fooling anyone. They know I'm rock and roll through and through. But uh, you know that old thing, live fast, die young. Not my way. Live fast, sure, live too bloody fast sometimes. But uh, die young, die old. That's the way. I'm not orthodox, you know. I don't live by the rules.